Hare Krishna. I welcome all to Everyday Chant Hari Nam conference call. Today we are very fortunate to have Her Grace Ram Tulsi Dasi Mataji to enlighten us on verse 1, uh, chapter 20, canto 5. Mataji, please accept once again my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada and Guru Maharaj. Uh, please take over the call, Mataji, whenever you are ready. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mataji. So, uh, Hare Krishna, dear Prabhus and Mataji, I am going to start with uh, first, uh, so it's um, Shima Bhagavatam 5.21, and uh, I will read uh, verse 2 and verse 3 and 4 and give class in verse 3 and 4 because Prabhupada did not write purports for 1 and 2, and I was always taught that we give the class on whatever Prabhupada did the purport for. So I'm just going to follow that format that I was raised with. <laughs> Okay, Hare Krishna, I'm so glad to be here. Um, so I will start. Om Ajnana Timurandasya, Jnana Jnana Sulakaya, Shakshu Unmilitam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Nama. Namo Vishnupadaya, Krishna Pristaya Bhutale, Srimati Bhakti Swarup Damada Swami Itinamini. Namo Vishnupadaya, Krishna Pristaya Bhutale, Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Itinamini. Uh, <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskutya Naram Chaiva Narotamam Devam Sarasvatim Vyasam Tachojayam Udarayat Shinvatam Swakata Krishna Punyam Shavana Kirtana Vidayanta Stohi Abhadrani Vidunati Tuhud Satam Nashta Preshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavati Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Sloka Bhakti Bhavati Naishtaki So we'll be reading from Srimad Bhavatam 25.20.1 I will read the Sanskrit for this. And then I'll go into the other verses. Shri Sita Vacha Atampara Plakshadanim Pramana Lakshana Samstana Tavasha Vibhaga Uparvanayate Translation The great sage Sukadev Goswami said, Hereafter I shall describe the dimensions, characteristics and forms of the six islands beginning with the island of Plaksha. And there's no purport, so I'm going to go to the next one. <clears throat> and I'm just going to use the translation for this one. Verse 2, translation. A Sumeru mountain is surrounded by Jambadweep. Jambadweep is also surrounded by an ocean of salt water. The breadth of Jambadweep is 100,000 yonas, that's 800 miles, and the breadth of the salt water ocean is the same. As the moat around the fort is sometimes surrounded by garden-like forests, the salt water ocean Surrounding Jambadweep is itself surrounded by Plakshadweep. The breadth of Plakshadweep is twice that of the saltwater ocean. In other words, 200,000 yonas, 1,600,000 miles. On Plakshadweep, there is a tree shining like gold and as tall as the Jambu tree on Jambadweep. At its root is a fire with seven flames. It is because this tree is the Plaksha tree that the island is called Plaksha Dweep. Plaksha Dweep was governed by Idmajiva, one of the sons of, Mahara, of Maharaj Priyavrata. He endowed the seven islands with the names of his seven sons, divided the islands among the sons, and then retired from active life to engage in the devotional service of the Lord. So since there's no purport, I'm going to go to the next verse. So verses 3 and 4. Uh, I'll read the translation. The seven islands, Vashas, are named according to the names of those seven sons. Shiva, Yavasa, Subhadra, Shanta, Shema, Amrita, and Abhaya. In those seven tracts of land, there are seven mountains and seven rivers. The mountains are named Manikuta, 
Vajrakuta, Indrasen, Jyotisaman, Supana, Hiranyakshitiva, and Meghamala. And the rivers are named Aruna, Numna, Angirasi, Sabitri, Suptabhata, Sambara, and Satyambara. One can immediately be free from material contamination by touching or bathing in those rivers. And the four castes of people will live in Plakshadweepa, the Hamsas, Patangas, Udavanyanas, and Satyangas, purifying themselves in that way. The inhabitants of Plakshadweepa live for 1,000 years. They are beautiful like the demigods, and they also beget children like the demigods. By completely performing the ritualistic ceremonies mentioned in the Vedas and by worshipping the Supreme Personality of Godhead as represented by the Sun God, they attain the Sun, which is the heavenly planet. Purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. According to general understanding, there are originally three deities, Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu, and Lord Shiva. And people with a poor fund of knowledge consider Lord Vishnu no better than Lord Brahma or Lord Shiva. This conclusion, however, is invalid. As stated in the Vedas, Ishta Purtam Bahuda Trayamanam Vishram Bhivati Bhavanashya Nabi Tad Evajinas Tad Bayus Tatsurya Sadyu Chandrama Agni this means that the Supreme Lord, who accepts and enjoys the results of Vedic ritualistic ceremonies, technically called Ishtapurta, who maintains the entire creation, who supplies the necessities of all living entities, Eko, Bahanam, Yor, Vedabhati, Taman, and who is the central point of all creation is Lord Vishnu. Lord Vishnu expands as the demigods known as Agni, Vayu, Surya, and Chandra, with simply parts and parcels of his body. Lord Krishna says in Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita 9.23, Devotees who worship the demigods with firm faith worship me also, but not according to regulated principles. In other words, if one worships the demigods, but does not understand the relationship between the demigods and the Supreme Personality of Godhead, his worship is irregular. Krishna also says in Bhagavad Gita, I am the only enjoyer of ritualistic ceremonies, 9.24. It may be argued that the demigods are as important as Lord Vishnu because the names of the demigods are different names of Vishnu. This, however, is not a sound conclusion. For it is contradicted in the Vedic literatures. The Vedas declare, the demigod of the moon, Chandra, came from the mind of Narayana, and the sun god came from his eyes. The controlling sense deities of hearing and the life air came from Narayana, and the controlling deity of fire was generated from his mouth. Prajapati, Lord Brahma, came from Narayana, Indra came from Narayana, and the eight bosses, the eleven expansions of Lord Shiva, and the twelve Adityas also came from Narayana. In the Smriti Vedic literature, it is also said, I'm going to just read the English, Brahma, Shambhu, Surya, and Indra are all merely products of the power of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. There is also, this is also true of the many other demigods whose names are not mentioned here. When the cosmic manifestation is annihilated, these different expansions of Narayana's potencies will merge into Narayana. In other words, all these demigods will die. Their living force will be withdrawn and they will merge into Narayana. Therefore, it should be concluded that Lord Vishnu, not Lord Brahma or Lord Shiva, is the supreme personality of Godhead. As the government officer is sometimes accepted as the entire government, although he's actually but a departmental manager, so the demigods, having achieved power of attorney from Vishnu, act on his behalf, although they are not as powerful as he is. All the demigods must work under the orders of Vishnu. Therefore, it is said, Ekala Ishvara Krishna, Arashabha Vritya, 
The only man saved was Krishna or Lord Vishnu, and all the others, all the others are his obedient servants who will act exactly according to his orders. The distinction between Lord Vishnu and the demigods is also expressed in Bhagavad Gita 9.25. Yanti Deva Vata Devan Pitran Yanti Pitra Vata Bhutani Yanti Bhuteya Yanti Majyachna Pimam Those who worship the demigods go to the planets of the demigods, whereas the worshippers of Lord Krishna and Lord Vishnu go to the planets of Vaikuntha. These are the statements of the Smriti. Therefore, the idea that Lord Vishnu is on the same level as the demigods is in contradiction to the Shastras. The demigods are not supreme. The the supremacy of the demigods is dependent on the mercy of Lord Narayana, Vishnu or Krishna. Jai Srila Prabhupada. That ends the purport by Srila Prabhupada. So we see over here uh, that Prabhupada is Really, I mean, he's talking about um, the whole Prabhupada is like demigod worship versus Krishna worship. Prabhupada is very strict about Krishna is the supreme. He didn't, he didn't uh, water down the philosophy and made his heart spot and said, oh, yes, everybody is the same. He was very, very specific that Krishna worship was the highest and we, need, we really don't need to worship the demigods. We just have to worship Krishna. So I'm going to start with uh, I'm going to start with the class and some of my thoughts. Uh, so we we know that we are living in this material world, and every aspect of this world is being managed and maintained by intelligent persons, right? Otherwise, how can this world run? This is our experience of over here. Like, just for example, we go into a large department store. It is not that everything is going on automatically. We see there is a managing director, and he has many department managers, and all the department managers have a group of workers that they supervise. And in this way, we see that the department store is running very efficiently. When we look at government also, uh, I know many of us are living in America. Some of us are living in Europe. Some of us are living in India, and we also see that this is the way the government is run. Since I'm living in America, I'm going to use our government. We have a president, and then we have uh, the senators, we have the governors, we have the vice president. So we have different people help running that government, okay? Not that uh, the president is doing everything, but we have people helping him, assisting him to make sure that the country runs smoothly. And just like this, also Krishna is the supreme, but he has designated these demigods to help run the universe. By dint of the punya, they have been uh, given these very, very important positions in the universe to help Krishna. So of course, they're not ordinary beings. Krishna did not is not going to give the responsibility of running the universe to someone who is incompetent. So they have very competent and very elevated souls to help Krishna. So in, similarly, I was, as, as I said, Krishna manages this universe in a similar way that uh, the department store gets run or the country gets run. Krishna appoints the managing director, and our managing director for the universe is none other but Lord Brahma. And Lord Brahma has many departmental managers who are responsible for the many different departments of the material world. These managers of the material world are called demigods. Okay? So these demigods are universal managers in the, in the government of Krishna. And they, they are given various functions in the universe, such as they provide air, they provide light, water, and all other necessities required for the maintenance of the body, the mind, and the soul also, okay? So, worshipping the demigods is the beginning of accepting our dependence on a higher spiritual system which, sustain, which sustains us. So, yes, I mean, so when we worship the demigods, that is, that is the gateway of understanding to understanding that there is a being higher than us that's running this world. We are not the supreme, okay? 
we we depend we are dependent on these higher beings, and when we worship a demigod, we are acknowledging that there is a being higher than me that is running this world and that's in charge of my life also. Okay, just as everyone understands that the use of uh, water, electricity, or any of other facilities from the government that requires it requires payment. Worship of the demigods is one step in realizing our total dependence on Krishna. And in this case, it's through his agents, the demigods. But many, but also we see, um, we see that, so we see many materialistic persons become attached to worshiping these demigods. Why? Because they want to get some materialistic benefits. Okay, because they know if we to worship Krishna, when devotees approach Krishna, we don't approach him for materialistic benefits. We approach Krishna to give us the Krishna. Ultimately, we want Krishna prema, but we are happy being the servant of the servant of the servants, right? Just being the servant of Krishna's devotees. And with any, um, any blessings from Krishna's devotees, we hope that we will attain Krishna Prema one day. But, um, but those persons that become attached to worshiping, worshiping these demigods are to get some temporary materialistic benefits. Krishna discusses this demigod worship in Bhagavad Gita. He says, those whose minds are distorted by material desires surrender unto demigods and follow the particular rules and regulations of worshipping according to their own natures. That's, that's from Bhagavad Gita 7.20. Less intelligent people who have lost their spiritual sense take shelter of demigods for immediate fulfillment of material desires. Okay, so people think, hey, you know, because Krishna, Krishna doesn't, he doesn't fulfill our material desires. Sometimes he does, but Krishna also gives us, Krishna looks at us, right? And he looks at his devotee and he thinks, well, I'm going to give my devotee what they need to come back to me. So sometimes there's something we might want and Krishna won't give it to us because it's not going to help us in our spiritual life. Okay? But... Uh, but some people think that, okay, if I take shelter of the demigods, they are going to give immediate fulfillment of material desires. And so that's why we see people do not go to the Supreme Personality of Godhead because they are in ignorance and passion and therefore worship various demigods. Because these, these worshipers of the demigods are motivated by small desires and they do not know how to reach the supreme goal, which is Krishna. They want immediately. They want immediate gratification. I want something, and I want it now, and I want to get it immediately. Okay, so that's why they come to the demigods. Please give me this. Give me that. And if you give me this, give me that. I will do certain prayers. Okay, so it's kind of like a bargaining. Whereas with devotees, our lives are dependent solely on Krishna. It's the Lord, whatever you give me, I deserve it, whether good or bad. Krishna is giving me some good karma or some bad karma. But, you know, we thank Krishna. If it's something goes wrong in our life, something good, we are grateful. We are grateful to Krishna, actually, for everything bad or good. We think when we get, you know, some bad karma given to us and we have to look through that bad karma, we think, well, Krishna has minimized my karma. It could have been ten times worse. Okay? And we see that in the Vedic literature, there are recommendations for worshipping different gods for different purposes. So, for example, a diseased man is recommended to worship the sun. Those who are not devoted to the Lord think that for certain purposes, demigods are better than the Supreme Lord. But a pure devotee, he knows that the Supreme Lord Krishna is the master of all, right? That's devotee. We know that Krishna is the master of all, okay? That we can make so many plans and sometimes we'll think, oh, are we going to plan our lives uh, and everything is going to run smoothly? But it doesn't happen like that. 
But then we think Krishna is in control of our lives. I might think I am the doer, but it's not happening. And sometimes we can see we, we have so many plans and we, we think everything is going to go smoothly, but then nothing goes smoothly. And we get that understanding. We start understanding, you know what? I think I might be the, the doer and the planner and I know what I'm going to do, but actually we get a realization that Krishna is in control. And if we just surrender, just like Draupadi, right? She, she tried in the assembly of um, the Korabas. They were disrobing her and she was trying to hold on to her sari. She was trying to protect herself and her chastity. And she couldn't. The sari, they were still disrobing her. And finally, she put up her hands and she said, Hey, Govinda. And she surrendered completely to Krishna. And when she did that, Krishna protected her. He gave yards and yards and yards of sari that she would never be uh, nude in that assembly of the four of us. So he protected her chastity. And just like uh, Jyotani, if we surrender completely, uh, Krishna also protects us. And he gives us what we need. Okay, Krishna looks at us and thinks, okay, I know what you need to be successful in your spiritual life. So he gives us what he thinks is going to help us. Uh, those who are not devotees of the Lord, you know, I said things that for certain purposes, demigods are better than the Supreme Lord. So if we're not devotees, okay, people think, well, then I'm going to go to Lord Shiva because he's easily pleased and he'll uh, satisfy my desires. Or I'll go to Lord Ganesh because he'll take all obstacles away and fulfill all my material desires. But a pure devotee knows that the Supreme Lord Krishna is the master of all. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that only the Supreme Personality of God, Krishna, is master and all others are servants. We know that a pure devotee never goes to demigods, okay, for satisfaction of his material needs. We, we, de- we depend on the Supreme Lord and the pure devotee is satisfied with whatever Krishna gives us, right? The bodies are satisfied. Now, we can approach the demigods. We do sometimes. I mean, so we approach uh, Lord, Lord Shiva, Lord uh, Ganesh. When we approach, approach Lord Ganesh, it's in the mood of serving the Lord, even Lord Shiva. It's, uh, for Ganesh, is uh, the takeaway. it takes away all obstacles, right? But we don't ask him to take away obstacles from our material life because we want something material, we approach him and ask him to please, dear Lord Ganesh, take away all obstacles so I can attain Krishna Prema, so take away obstacles from my spiritual life. So there's a different mood to approach the demigods for devotees. Okay. We may ask that if the true purpose of the Vedas recommends the worship of Krishna, why they should be worship of some list of the demigods. Okay, that's a valid question. If Krishna is the supreme worship that we want, why then is the worship of demigods? So there are two reasons for this. I, I think first, the position of being a demigod is a temporary one. It's not a permanent one. Okay, When this world ends, all these demigods have to give up their position also. They're very fortunate they've done some punya that, uh, that have made them very dear to the Lord and he's entrusted the care of the universe to them. But when this material world ends, they also have to give up their position. Uh, so, so the position of being a demigod is a temporary one, just like our body is impermanent, right? And it's given to certain, so we know that this job is given to certain souls to fulfill a particular desire to be a controller and enjoy heavenly opulences and privileges. So they had they had desires to enjoy. And uh, so they probably were higher consciousness than us. And so Krishna is giving them this position. We, we look at Lord Indra, right? He also, he um, many times, he, 
he he's the the lord of the the heavenly planets and he he doesn't want to give up the position okay we've seen that during the horse sacrifice when king peter was doing the horse sacrifice Indra was very upset and he stole the horse because he did not want to give up his position he wants to be the control of the heavenly planets and we saw that we just had Govardhan uh, Puja, and that was the whole pattern. He didn't want uh, Lord Krishna getting all the, um, the 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 prayers and the pujas. He wanted it offered to him. So they these they want to they want to be controlling and they want to enjoy heavenly opulences and privileges. So that's the one the number one reason. Secondly, certain living entities enticed to be religious by the promise of heavenly happiness. Okay, not everybody will come to God consciousness just because they want to love God and uh, they have no other motive. It's just pure Krishna prema. They will come. So this could be a gateway. They might be enticed by the promise of happiness, material happiness, right? So there is a, a relationship between the devas and the human beings. So the Lord uses, he, he uses the system to gradually elevate everybody to a spiritual awareness. So this is, so for some people, worship of the demigods can be a gateway to um, to elevate the consciousness to a spiritual awareness and to the real nature uh, in the spirit, in the material world. And what is the real nature and the real relationship with the Lord? So for some people, um, they have to go through that. Maybe that's just one way not everybody can come and say I'm going to surrender right now to Krishna and um, I'm just one Krishna prema so so we see that sometimes we see someone has been a great Shiva devotee or a great uh, Ganesh devotee or a great devotee of one of the demigods and then they'll um, they'll they come to the understanding Eventually, they will come to the understanding that their relationship with those demigods is actually helping them to solidify their relationship with Krishna. Okay? Krishna says, I'm in everyone's heart as a super soul. As soon as one desires to worship the demigods, I make his faith steady so that he can devote himself to some particular deity. Bhagavad Gita 7.21. Okay? So, we see that Krishna says that in Bhagavad Gita. If someone is attached to Lord Shiva, then Krishna, in, the, in that devotee's heart, Krishna will make that devotee's faith steady so then he can devote himself to some particular duty. And better that than just being an outright non-worshipper, okay? Because he's still worshiping Krishna's, one of Krishna's agents, and um, eventually, hopefully, through worshiping Krishna's uh, one of Krishna's agents in this material world, you will come to the understanding and will lead you to the path of Krishna Prema. Krishna has given us independence, right, to everyone. Therefore, if a person desires to have material enjoyment and wants to have such facilities from the material demigods, then the Supreme Lord is in everyone's heart as a super soul. And he understands and gives facilities to such persons, right? So Krishna understands, okay, this devotee still has some material desires that need to be fulfilled. So Krishna doesn't force us to love him because if he forces us to love him, it doesn't become love, okay? Love is not forced. So as the Supreme Father of all living entities, he does not interfere with our independence, right? but he gives all facilities so that we can fulfill our material desires and then eventually come to the understanding of Krishna Prima. So then some of, us met, some of you and some of us may ask them, why, why if Krishna is all-powerful, why does he give facilities to the living entities for enjoying this material world? 
And why does he let them fall into the trap of the illusory energy? So that's a valid question, right? I mean, so why would Krishna do that? So, so the answer is that if the Supreme Lord, a super soul, does not give such facilities, then there is no meaning to independence, right? I mean, so we can we'll all be little robots. Uh, uh, we won't have any independence, right? We won't have that independence. Krishna gives us the independence to come to him or to enjoy material life, okay? So uh, he, he gets full independence, whatever one likes, but his ultimate instruction we find in Bhagavad Gita is that we should give up all other engagements and fully surrender to him, and that will make us happy. So we, we can read Bhagavad Gita, we can see Krishna's instructions, and we, Krishna treats us, he's our father, and he treats us just like his children, just like we are parents, many of us are parents, and we don't force, we, can't, we see that when we force our children, what happens? They rebel, right? They rebel against us. They rebel against everything we want to teach them. So we have to just show them by our mood and our example how we love Krishna, and we give them the independence. We give them the tools. We give them the right uh, uh, home and structure at home. We show them how we love Krishna, but we don't force them. And they have to make that choice to turn towards Krishna or enjoy the material world. Right? Our children, and hopefully our children, we want them all to be devotees, and we Pray that Krishna, let them use that independence and worship you. And just like that, Krishna is not, is not going to sit there and force us to love him. So he's giving us that independence. If we want material desires, okay, worship my demigod. But if you want Krishna prema, worship me, okay? And ultimately, Krishna is showing us also that you will be happy if you want to be just surrender fully unto me without any material desires, not always wanting, I desire this, I want this, I want this, I want this. All those things we desire and that we think get fulfilled by the demigod, they don't make us really happy. They don't really make us happy. They just make us want more and more and more. And the more we want, the more we are never satisfied. But we see also that, uh, and we know that the living entity and the demigods, even the demigods, okay, they are, we are subordinate to Krishna and also the demigods are subordinate to the will of Krishna, okay? <clears throat> so therefore, the, we, we know that we cannot just worship the demigod by our own desire. And nor can the demigod uh, just give all, fulfill all the benedictions without the supreme will. It's all ultimately coming from Krishna because we are all controlled by Krishna. We are all subordinate to Krishna, whether we are the living entity in the material world or these great demigods who are helping run the universe. As it is said, right, not a blade of grass moves without the will of the supreme personality of Godhead. And so generally we see persons who are distressed right in the material world, they go to the demigods. As Well, the Vedic literature says that, right? Uh, they give you so many instructions if you're distressed, who to worship and how to do the worship to alleviate suffering. A person wanting some particular thing may worship uh, such and such a demigod, right? I mean, so uh, we see people do that. I've seen people go to, they'll make a vow, you know, if I get this, then I'll, certain, I'll offer certain prayers to you. So um, we, we, I've said that a person was sick, was diseased. If you see in the Vedic scriptures, they are advised to worship the sun god. A person wanting education may worship the goddess of learning, Saraswati. And a person wanting a beautiful wife may worship the goddess Uma the wife of Lord Shiva, a person wanting, wanting a wonderful husband goes and worships Lord Shiva, okay? In this way, there are the recommendations in the Shastras. And because 
a living entity wants to enjoy a particular material facility, the Lord inspires him with a strong desire to achieve that benediction from that particular demigod. And so he successfully receives the benediction. Now, I do want to say that um, uh, we saw that in the Krishna book, the gopis also, right? They wanted a wonderful husband. And they went and worshipped uh, Lord Shiva. They would go to the temple and worship Lord Shiva because they wanted Krishna as their husband. So they did that, right? They worshipped Lord Shiva. And their ultimate goal was to have Krishna as the husband. And Mother Saraswati, she's the goddess of learning. And I know, I know a lot of um, a lot of people. They worship Saraswati. In fact, I grew up in a home. I come, I come from a Hindu family, and my home, we worship Saraswati. We put all our school books on the altar, and we did Saraswati puja, right? Just so for education and learning. And but now that I'm a devotee, I have a better understanding. I still, I worship Saraswati. And I tell my kids, I tell my grandkids that Saraswati is the goddess of learning and we should, uh, we should respect her and worship her and ask her to, you know, to guide you in your education. But it's now with a different understanding. I pray to Saraswati and I ask my kids, grandkids, you know, Mother Saraswati can help you in your education and where you can then have that education and assist Srila Prabhupada in his movement. So it's with the understanding. So worshiping the demigods, if you worship the demigods, it's, to, it's with the understanding that you want to somehow assist uh, Lord Krishna in this world, uh, in, the, in this preaching movement. Okay, so we want some benediction. If, if Krishna is a demigod, uh, can help us with our ultimate goal, then it's wonderful, okay? The particular mode of devotional attitude of the living entity toward like a particular type of demigod is also arranged for the Supreme Lord. Uh, so I talked about the demigods at different parts of the universal body of the Supreme Lord. Uh, therefore, they have no independence, right? Because they are different, different parts of the stream. Well, we saw that in the purple top. It says uh, how in relationship you see Surya, um, and you see who's the eyes and the nose and the air of the Supreme Lord. So, if we think of it that way, we can understand that actually these demigods are different parts of the universal body of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, they too don't have independence. They also are subordinate to Krishna. So in the Vedic literature, it is stated the Supreme Personality of God as a super soul is also pre- present within the heart of the demigod. Therefore, he arranges through the demigod to fulfill the desires of the living entity. But both the demigod and the living entity are dependent on the supreme world. They are not independent. So, um, so we know. So, people say, "Okay, I'm just going to go and ask for something from." Well, I'll go to Lord Shiva and ask him to fulfill a benediction for me. Okay, I want something done. But we have to remember that. Lord Shiva also cannot award benediction to the devotees without the permission of the Supreme Lord. Okay, he's also subordinate to Krishna. That you know, we might forget that everything is the property of the Supreme Lord, but the demigods they do not forget. Okay, they don't forget that everything is the property of the Supreme Lord. So the worship of demigods and achievement of desired results are not due to the demigods, but to the supreme personality of God. Okay, so by arrangement, Krishna works through these demigods. Okay, uh, the living entity might not understand that, but these demigods they know that. Okay, so uh, they so. Um, the less intelligent living entity thinks, oh, it's all coming from the demigods. They don't have any idea that, yes, Krishna is the ultimate giver. So he just goes to the demigods for some benefit. But the pure devotee, when in need of anything or something, prays to the Supreme Lord. 
but pure devotees of Krishna, they never ask for material benefits. They just ask uh, for Krishna prema, or they ask the Lord uh, to make them an instrument in this world to alleviate the suffering of others. Okay. Uh, many, so the living entity, he goes because he wants, he goes to the demigods because he, he has some unfulfilled desires, okay? Uh, and the Lord himself, like I said, will not fulfill the desires sometimes because Krishna looks at us and he sees if he gives us, if he fulfills that material desire that we have, is it going to help us in our spiritual life or is it going to uh, harm us in any way? Because sometimes we see, right, we see sometimes great devotees or, or devotees, uh, we see that they have, they have been serving Krishna so wonderfully and they are just such wonderful devotees of the Lord. They humble, they have everything materially and, and they're serving the Lord so beautifully. But then we also see that sometimes misfortune befalls them and Krishna takes away everything material away from their lives and we try to understand they, how could this happen they're such good devotees such wonderful devotees why would they have such misfortune but Krishna does that okay he does that because he knows Krishna says he takes away everything material from our lives in order we completely surrender to him. When Krishna wants the complete love of that devotee, full surrender, then we have to understand that he is in charge of taking away all material things from our lives. That's why we shouldn't be lamenting when we lose some fortune or some uh, something happens in our life. We should, we should understand that, okay, Krishna is doing this. Uh, at this moment, I cannot understand this bigger picture, but I know that ultimately whatever Krishna is doing is for my good, okay? It is, in Chaitanya Charamita, it is said that one who worships the Supreme Lord and at the same time desires material enjoyment is contradictory in his desires. It says the devotional service of the Supreme Lord and the worship of a demigod cannot be on the same platform because worship of a demigod is material, and devotional service to the Supreme Lord is completely spiritual, okay? So if we approach the demigods, we usually approach them with spiritual desires. If we approach Lord Shiva, you say, okay, we might approach Lord Shiva. Um, so for example, if we want to get married and we, we can approach Lord Shiva to please send me a wonderful Krishna conscious husband, who I can be my partner and together we can serve Lord Krishna and uh, all the devotees, okay? So we should, I think, uh, for devotees, if they still want to approach the demigods, then we have to approach in a spiritual way. Not that we don't worship the demigods, okay? The demigods are there, they are great devotees also of the Lord, but we have to understand how to approach the demigods. That's the way we have to understand. So, for the living entity who decides to return to God as material desires are impediments. A pure devotee of the Lord is therefore not awarded the material benefits right, desired by less intelligent living entities. Uh, the, the people with less intelligence, they prefer to worship demigods of the material world rather than engage in devotional self or service of the Supreme Lord. Okay. It is it, the worshippers of demigods go to the different planetary systems where various demigods are situated. Just as the worshipper of the sun achieves the sun, or the worshipper of the demigod of the moon achieves the moon. Similarly, if anyone wants to worship a demigod like Indra, he can then attain that particular god planet. Okay. It's not that everyone, regardless of whatever demigod is worshipped, will reach the Supreme Personality of God. Okay, it's not that, okay, I'm going to worship Lord Ganesh and then I'm going to go to Krishna. Okay? Or I'm going to just worship Indra or 
uh, Mother Durga, and I'm just going to, eventually I will get it to the, to the abode of the Supreme Personality of Goddess. That's not going to happen, okay? That is tonight here, but it's clearly stated that the worshippers of the demigods go to different planets in the material world. It says that in Bhagavad Gita. But the devotees of the Supreme Lord, they will come directly to the Supreme Planet of the Personality of Godhead. Um, unless we worship the demigods with the understanding that this, these personalities are going to help me get back to Krishna. We can worship them uh, in the mood of uh, asking them to help fulfill our spiritual desires. Okay, we can ask Lord Ganesh to please take away all material impediments or all obstacles away from my devotional life. Okay, if we worship in that mood, then the demigod worship is it's okay. If we still want to worship the demigod, demigods, so we have to understand what mood to worship them in. Um, because we know whatever pleasures and pain that we get from the different, different demigods are dependent on the performance of uh, Vedic yagyas, okay? So, and these, it's, it's all coming from Krishna. Krishna is also a part of all these observances. Uh, all these sacrifices also is to teach the true cause of everything and the purpose of life is to satisfy Krishna, okay? So, but those that want immediately immediate gratification, they worship the devas without progressing to understand that whatever the demigods give their worshippers is really being awarded by the Supreme Lord of the mercy. So people tend to forget that. Some people do. But I think as devotees we we have a better understanding and we see Krishna in relationship in everything to our life. Even the demigods, we, we see them in relationship to Krishna, okay? I think um, that one of, the, one of the offenses to the Ten Commandments is not to see the demigods independent of Krishna, okay? But we see them in relationship to Krishna, and uh, that's, that, that is okay. Uh, we shouldn't make them independent of Krishna and thinking, oh, they are just there to satisfy our material desires. <clears throat> I mean, even in, in Ishapanishad, it says that the worship, I think in verse 12, it says that the worship of the demigods keeps one in the darkest ignorance and obliges one to take repeated birth and death. Okay? Uh, I, I want to read some, uh, just some verses from Prabhupada, what Prabhupada says about demigod worship. Uh, just find those verses. Prabhupada mm-hmm. wrote some, he wrote some letters to his devotee. Uh, and he, I want to read some of the letters. I'll just read a few what Prabhupada said. Uh, So Prabhupada is too late to hide it. I'm very much anxious. This is in Montreal, 10th July, 1968. Um, I'm just, I don't want to read the whole letter. Prabhupada says, this is to but He says, in the Bhagavad Gita, it is explicitly said that the worshippers of different demigods ultimately reach the planets of respective demigods. The worshippers of forefathers also go to the different Pitri planets, respectively. The worshippers of Mammon remain in the Mammonish world, and the work and the persons in Krishna consciousness ultimately reach to the planet of Krishna Loka. So our mission is to reach the supreme planet in the spiritual sky, namely the abode of Krishna. As such, we cannot compromise that all sorts of meditation gives the same results. So Prabhupada is saying, yeah, making very clear that we have to, we have to, if we want to go to Krishna Loka, then ultimately we have to worship Krishna. Okay, not that 
not that we can worship this demigod, that demigod, meditate on different uh, meditations and think that, yeah, we're going to go back to Krishna. It's not going to be like that. Prabhupada has made it very clear. Um, so there's another letter to Chris. Los Angeles, 13 November 1968. This is very early days of Ikka. Prabhupada, you can see how Prabhupada never compromised. Krishna says, give up all nonsense engagements and come here and surrender to me. That is real philosophy. Krishna says that anyone who is worshipping any in God, it is all nonsense and just give it up and come to me. Our philosophy is to worship Radha and Krishna. We don't make any hodgepodge or any compromise. If you like, you can accept it. And if you're fortunate, you will accept and be happy. But this hodgepodge nonsense will never help you. Just like we prescribe certain rules and restrictions for our disciples so that they can make real advancement in spiritual life. So Prabhupada is saying, this Yogananda, this is another uh, yoga group, gives no restrictions or regulatory principles to his disciples and thereby collects all nonsense class of men. But if you put restrictions, then not so many men will come, but sincere ones will come, those who are actually sincerely searching after real spiritual life. So Prabhupada is saying that, uh, yeah, we can put so many restrictions and nobody will come, but we will also get a wonderful class of people coming Okay, not everybody will come because they, they have material size, but they'll get sincere bhaktas, bhaktas and bhaktins. Okay? Uh, another letter in 1969 to Rupanuga, Hawaii, 14 March 1969. You have seven questions. How is it that there's such material, that they, how is it that there's so much material advancement? In the USA, even though there is no formal demigod worship, so a devotee will proud but asking this, is a man after economic development automatically worshiping Lord Shiva, whether he's making yagi or not? Actually, there is no material advancement in the USA. Material advancement, advancement means there is amply opportunity for eating, sleeping, mating, and defense. Superficially, it appears that in the USA, it's sufficient provision of eating, sleeping, making, and defending, but actually nobody safe even in his good apartment. I've got practical exam experience in New York. So this devotee asks, uh, Rupa is an old devotee of Srila Prabhupada, one of the first devotees of Srila Prabhupada, and he asks Prabhupada, are people just automatically, because America was so economically advanced, are people just uh, even though there's no formal worship, is man just automatically uh, worshiping Lord Shiva, whether he's making yagya or not, okay, like subconsciously. And Prabhupada is saying, just, it's Prabhupada said there's just, people are just eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. There is no, Prabhupada didn't think it was an immaterial advancement, okay? There's one more I'm going to read. Prabhupada wrote to Brahmananda, 1969, in London, Tyson Hall, 16 October, 1969. Prabhupada says, If one refuses to progress to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then he's sure to fall down again into darkness. The worshippers of the demigods at least have fear of some higher personality, and that may eventually develop into fear of the Supreme Personality. But the impersonalists think that everything is Brahma, everyone is God, therefore they can do whatever they want. And that is a still more dangerous position. I think this will clear up the matter for you. So, Prabhupada is making clear here, worship of the demigod is still much better than worship than to be an impersonalist. Okay? Because impersonalists, they don't even worship the demigod. They just think that they are, they, uh, they are Krishna, Okay, that they are in control, everyone is God, I am God, you are God, and that they can do whatever they want. Whereas, if someone is worshipping the demigod, at least they have some higher, they have fear of some higher personality, okay, and they have faith that a higher personality is governing their life and running this universe for them. And so then that, um, that fear 
that they have, uh, then that may eventually develop into fear of the supreme personality of Godhead and love for the supreme person. Okay, so Prophet also was uh, he he. He explained it so nicely to his devotees, okay? He didn't just say, oh, this is all nonsense, demigod worship, but Prabhupada made us understand that these demigods are are important in helping Krishna run this universe, and we just have to worship and accept them in relationship to Krishna, okay? How can they help us in our spiritual life so that we become first-class devotees and help Prabhupada uh, in his preaching work and then ultimately become the servant of the servant of the servant. Hare Krishna Prabhu. I'm going to stop over here Prabhu and Matthew. Uh If there's any questions or comments please let me know. Hare Krishna Mataji, then with Pranams, it was so nice uh, and wonderful. He brought out um, the essence of the verses. Uh, devotees, have any questions or comments? Please go ahead and uh, ask Mataji. Hare Krishna Mataji, then with Pranams, one question to Guru Pat. It's such a nice question. Yeah, and he said that. Uh, uh, comment you are making that uh, dem- uh, the demigod worshippers are far superior. I mean, superior in comparison with the Gyanis. That is, uh, uh, that is so much uh, correct. I uh, we understand through our preaching too. It's so difficult uh, uh, to uh, to preach to the Mayavadis. Uh, the Gyanis. So it's much easier to preach to the uh, demigod worshippers because they have that sense of fear as well. That In is true. Krishna's word he... also... Go ahead, Prabhupada. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah I was uh, referring to Krishna's words also. Uh, he says, right, um, uh, as regards the uh, Gyanis, I mean, the uh, Mayavadis, uh, so those people are abuddhaya. They don't have buddhi. They don't have intelligence. Right. Whereas he says, uh, uh, um, uh, of the demigod worshippers, yes, tadbhavanti alpa medasam. So they have less intelligence. So they are still better right. than the right. one who doesn't have intelligence. Uh, exactly. That is that. Uh, so they may be having intelligence, but it is less, still better than having no intelligence at all. Exactly. That's what Prabhupada said, that uh, the demigod worshippers are much better than an impersonalist, because impersonalist thinks that they are God, right? I am God, yeah. and I'm in control. Yeah. But, but even, I mean, so if someone worships the demigod, they're still worshiping a higher being, and they know that that yeah. being is in control of their life. Because yeah. Prophet wrote yeah. also, Prophet writes in, in one letter to, he wrote to Pendra, uh, in Bombay, 21st November, Prophet says that uh, regarding Devi Chandan, we have no use for it. It has got no place in our Vaishnava worship. So far the demigods are concerned. We Vaishnavas have nothing against them. Prabhupada says this, we have nothing against them. So they may be offered all respects as part and parcel servitors of the Supreme Lord Krishna. The foolish persons may worship the demigods as supreme, but we see only that they are agents of the Lord, and as such we may offer them our humble respects. So Prabhupada made it very clear that we don't, offend the demigods. We don't belittle them, but they are also the um, sub they because they are the agents of Krishna and they're working according to Krishna's uh, desires in this universe, they're helping Krishna run this universe, that we offer them all our humble respects. Because even Lord Shiva, he's for devotees, Lord Shiva is the topmost Vaishnava. 
right? So he should be offered our respect because he is the greatest Vaishnava. Yeah. So devotees have a different mood of approaching demigods. We <clears throat> we have a completely different mood. Yeah. I mean, we know that you know whatever we get from the demigods, if we ask for some material thing, it's it's impermanent, right? I mean, everything in this material world is impermanent. The only thing that's going to go with us when we leave this world is our bhakti, right? Our yeah. sana and our bhakti yeah. will go with us. So that's the only permanent thing. So even, yeah, so why why waste time just asking, for, you know, the demigods for something that's going to be impermanent eventually, so... You know, we can ask him to help us in our spiritual life. Thank you, Mataji. Thank you, Prabhu. Any more questions or comments? Anybody yeah. want to make a comment? <laughs> Any more questions or comments from devotees? Yeah, I'd like to hear other people's thoughts. Um, look like looks like no more questions or comments, Mataji. Okay.